0: Let me say this: It is only the. I think we're still about two weeks, right? Well, when does school start? A week from tomorrow, right? But as you can tell, as some of the students have already started to trickle back in for the start of the school year, it's going to get a little bit crowded in here. And so, we're going to need you guys to do is when you come in, is kind of squeeze tight and pretend you like each other, and uh, and that would be really helpful for us. Okay. Uh, In order to help us get there, we have a tradition here that we do every time that we get started. And what it is, is that we really believe in remembering people's names here at the church. So we do this kind of re-greet moment, right? And you turn around and say, hey, my name is whatever, and you go back and forth. Um, And then you probably forget the name the second you hear it, okay? So what we're going to have you do is turn back to the people that you just met, and instead of reintroducing yourself, you have to tell that person their name, okay? And if you did forget, well, we preach repentance and forgiveness, okay? So go ahead and do that now. (laughs) Okay, good job. Good job, everyone. Way to go. Did anyone fail miserably? Like, it just got super awkward. There you go. Okay. So for those who failed miserably, uh, and you're not alone, clearly, if you ever come back, if this didn't scare you off, you know next week now to pay attention, okay? Um, And actually love your neighbor. All right, so... Um, What we move into now is uh, is an announcement for you, and I don't really have anything specific. All I want to point to is we have an event card, which I actually forgot to bring up here with me. It's got everything that we do for the entire month on it. If you haven't grabbed one yet for this month, you can grab one on the way out, and we will have September's coming up either next week or the week after for you to follow along with all those events. But if you have any questions, you can just look on that thing, and that'll take care of you. The last thing we do before we jump into the Word is we actually pray for another local church. Here in our city. Um, We do this, and this is this is something we do every week, and it's really important to us. When we moved here to plant this church about three years ago. We knew that we were part of the gospel answer for this city, uh, but we didn't think we were in, by any means supposed to be the whole thing. And so what we like to do is pray for other churches in town that we know, that we love, uh, and that we just want to see the gospel flourish at. So I'm going to pray for my friend Mike Ferlazzo over at New Life, which is a, it's a church that is primarily focused to NAU students and with a lot of students coming back next week and, and moving forward. Let's pray for them and, and their preparation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for Mike. He is an awesome guy. It's been a pleasure for me to learn from him, to get to know him, and to see his passion for NAU. Thank you for each and every student that has come to know you through their ministry over there. We pray for his whole staff. God, would they experience gospel encounters and transformation in their own hearts that they could then minister to those who would be part of their fellowship. God, would you give them uh, gifts and evangelism and tools, God, that they could preach the gospel in a bold and effective way. And God, we pray that in their preparation, them being about a week or so out from just chaos, uh, God, we pray that you would guide them, give them wisdom, be the lamp unto their feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ask that you would speak to us today. We know that without the Holy Spirit moving, there's a good chance we don't learn anything today. And so, God, please uh, just set your footprint in this place and teach us and change us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, okay? If you don't have a Bible, don't feel weird about this. We have free Bibles that we're going to bring down the aisles to slip your hand up. Don't feel weird about this. We do it every week. If you don't have a Bible, hand raised. There you go, and we'll start passing these out. Follow along with us. Mark chapter 11. Mark is the second book of the New Testament, so kind of turn to the second half, and you'll find the book right after Matthew, right before Luke, and you can turn there and turn to chapter 11, Now, let me give us a little recap, and every time I get up here, I I like to do that, because I think we are looking at a text that is meant to be understood as a whole. It's a narrative, it's a story, and so like any good story, the story builds on itself. And so for the last, really since chapter 8, we've kept talking, I'm going to keep hammering it into us, because I think it comes to a really neat point today, is that there is more than just knowing who Jesus is involved in the Christian walk. It's not just about identifying Jesus as the Messiah. It's about believing and following him. In chapter 8, God the Father comes down from heaven and says, this is my son Jesus, listen to him. And so now there's this movement for: Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? If the answer is yes, there's a following component. Right? There's a, okay, let me, let me track with what you're saying, and then I'm going to go and try and live out what Jesus commands of his disciples. And that's where we find ourselves a few chapters into this turn in the Gospel of Mark. Last week, okay, last week, we had Jesus asking two different people, two different sets of people, one question. The question was, what can I do for you? Or, what do you want me to do for you? And he asked it to, to, to two of his closest guys, James and John, who were of his inner circle, and then he asked the same question to blind Bartimaeus. And we were able to compare and contrast these two stories to point to what is God asking of a disciple? What type of faith is he pointing us to? And in the story we saw last week is that Bartimaeus wins out. Right, That that James and John, in the midst of this, that they were looking to achieve their own stature, their own status. They were the center of their discipleship and not Jesus, their Lord and Savior. And yet we saw Bartimaeus, this commoner, this peasant, this guy who's on the outside, who didn't even deserve to approach Christ. He's the one who gets it right. Approaches in humility. And here's what we believed. And here's what we landed on, which shapes us tremendously today. Is that the question when Jesus asks, what is it you want me to do for you, right? Our response as disciples, the response of Bartimaeus was to say, okay, this is what you have done for me, and to focus and reflect and love the gospel, and then move to us asking of the question of Christ, what would you have me do for you? You understand? There, there's this switch where Jesus asks them the question, Asking about faith, trying to find out where are they at with the gospel, and our role now as Christians is to step back and to say, "Okay, I man, I'm going to analyze. I'm going to think through, Jesus, what have you done for me? What have you accomplished?" And then it's out of that that then I ask you the question, "Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? What's the next step? What does it mean for me to carry out the mission that you have to the world? How do I do this?" And here's what's great. Here's what I love about the Gospel Mark. It builds, right? So. This text is going to answer that question for us. This text answers this question for us. Um, this week, as I was thinking, and we've been in Mark now for about 27, 28 weeks, and you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff, right? Jesus is constantly, over and over and over, trying to root in people's hearts the importance of the gospel story, right? The importance of understanding what Christ was about to go and do, these three passion predictions. We've talked about this. He's, he's trying to root that in your hearts and then root you in mission to the world, Today is no different. We're going to hear much the same, and so I want to give us somewhat of an encouragement and a charge of why our hearts should kind of step forward and connect to this morning instead of maybe saying, well, yeah, I've heard this. So this week, I was, uh, this was actually last night. Last night, uh, we have a little um, camera in, in, in Finley's bedroom. Finley just turned one on Friday, and uh, yeah, I know, it was a big achievement for him, and um, Ate cake for the first time, super cute, walking around, he's just a little stud, but, um, anyway, so he's sleeping last night in his, in his, uh, cage, that's, nope, crib, Crib. call it a crib, cage, you guys are like, wow, uh, (laughs) You look at that thing, though. If you ever see the crib, it looks like a jail cell. Like it's, I fully expect walking in one day, he has a cup just like going, you know, like one of these things just rattling away. But the reality is I walk in, or I mean, I'm sorry, I look in on the camera and he's laying there and he starts tossing and turning. My wife and I are like, oh gosh, it's 11, he's going to wake up. One of us is going to have to go. Verdi's really thinking, like, yeah, right, I'm going to have to go. And, and I'm thinking, I'll be lazy. And so then, um, sort of thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to wake up? And here's the thing. Verdi, and we've talked about this before, has his little lovey is called Mr. Bear, okay? Because we're clever. It's a bear. And so, um, he, if he doesn't have this, he will wake up, and he gets really frustrated. And sometimes it will fall out the crib and he'll push through the jail wall cell, you know, the cell door, and, and falls to the ground, and he can't reach it, and he starts to freak out. So here's what happens: it, it falls into the crevice in between the wall of the room and the crib, and all that is sticking up is, is the little bear's arm, right? I mean, just full cliffhanger, right? And, and, and so, uh, we're, we're, is he going to find him? Is he going to find him? So Finley, you can see he's rummaging around, and finally, you see the hands meet, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's as cute as you're thinking. And so he bends down and he pulls up bear and rescues the bear from the pits of despair, okay? Yes, yes. If you're not catching on, okay, my son is the Jesus figure in the story, okay? And I'm I'm literally processing through this. And here's what happened: he pulls up the bear and he immediately brings it to himself, and he's a baby, so he begins to eat him, and then and then just is snuggling and falls asleep, just like that. And here's what I gotta see as a father. I gotta stand in and I gotta gotta see the delight of my son as he brings this bear up and then is reconnected with it. Okay? That there was this gap, and this may sound silly, but you've got to see the joy, imagine the joy of him. Where is he? Where is he? And he pulls him up, and he brings him back to himself, and that brings peace and joy and delight to my son's heart. And I want us to know that as we get started, and when we think about, man, Jesus calling us to this, and it is a high, hard, tough, arduous calling, that he delights in his children that he delights in saving people. He delights in redeeming things. He delights in the restoration of the world. And so as you now are part of this, he delights in his children rescuing and be part of the redemption of the world. And so I think that as he looks down and he sees us, as we sit here today and we learn from what the Scripture has, what the Holy Spirit would teach, I'm pretty sure he delights in this moment as we open up our hearts and we open up our minds and say, God, change me. I want to be like that, I want to reach out, I want to save, and I want to delight, I want to see your delight in this place, and so that is my hope for us, that we would press in, and so we're going to look at four different passages all in one text today, four different passages in one text. First, the triumphal entry, which many of you have heard about perhaps, right, riding in a donkey, we'll talk about that, and he's going to go to a bare fig tree, and he will curse the fig tree. Then he's gonna walk into a temple and he's gonna clear the temple and then we'll land with him returning to the fig tree and some final lessons. And all of this, I think, helps answer the question, Jesus, what do you want us, your church, what do you want me, your disciple, to do since you've done such great things? Since you lived the life I couldn't live, since you died the death I deserve to die, since you rose on the third day. Because all of this is true, now, what do you ask of us? And let's go. Verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to him, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, one which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? say, The Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back here immediately. Just, just picture this story me. hey, there's going to be this cult, right? And you're supposed to go into town and you're supposed to walk in and just find it. This is that classic, hey, God told me this thing, which 95% of the time is inaccurate and it's just someone trying to, ladies, if a fella comes to you and says, God told me we're supposed to be together, don't say yes, okay? <laughs> Unless he's that 5%, which then ask me and I'll tell you, okay? Because... <laughs> It's probably, and no. also just sweet nugget for you. If a guy shows up and says, I want to go on a date and brings along a guitar, that's also a no. Okay. Okay. The whole up on a mountaintop with a guitar and a first date thing, you run girl. You know what I'm saying? All right. Verse four. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. It worked. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? Verse 6, they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. Okay, so here's where we're at. We're we're at the beginning of the end here. We're at the beginning of the end. Jesus is making this final trek. He's like, okay, guys, we've done a lot of teaching. We've got a lot of the word out there. It's time to make kind of that final push. And so they start moving towards Jerusalem. And this is what's happening on the walk. And he says, go out there, find this colt. Someone's going to say, that doesn't seem right, whatever. Just tell them what I said. Bring it back here. And it all works. The plan is in motion. Let's keep going. Verse 7. entry. Jesus riding in on this colt, this foal of a donkey, riding in as a king. Now, when we often look at this story, what people will do is they'll look at this one passage, and they'll juxtapose, they'll contrast this story with the people uh, at the Sanhedrin yelling, crucify him, right? And these are the two, they're often like, okay, well, you've got this crowd here, how fickle is man? Now, the reality is, is man, man is pretty fickle, and we do make terrible decisions and we do wishwash from time to time but the reality is is these are probably different crowds and the deeper reality is that these people as they exclaim hosanna glory to god and the highest glory to the kingdom the coming kingdom of david they're actually probably not worshiping him correctly and here's what i mean by that when they're exclaiming hosanna they're saying save us now Fix this now! They're still thinking like they thought the whole time that Jesus has come to th- overthrow the Roman government, to place the Jews back in control of their land, to give them everything that they had hoped for for thousands of years, and He's not coming to do that. We found over and over and over in the Gospel of Mark. They say, "No, listen. Actually, I'm going to come, and I'm not. I'm not going to war here." I'm not going to battle. In fact, I'm going to lay my life down. The son of man will be crucified and be raised on the third day. He's talking about a whole different type of ball game. And again, you still have these people who are still missing it, still hoping that he will allow the Jewish people to rise again, overthrow the Roman government, and be in control once more he's like, what? You're, you're missing it. Not what I'm going for. And we know this, that he is not come to bring war, but to bring peace as he rides in on a donkey. How often do you see a king riding in on a donkey? It does not happen. I asked the guy this week, I said, hey, generally, what do you see kings riding in on? And he went with elephant, okay? And I said, you've seen too much Aladdin, right? What what normally what would you think a king would ride in on? Wow. Well, come on, there it is. Thank you. Ingrid, was that you? Was that Yes, Ingrid. Ingrid everyone. Ingrid's leaving this Sunday. So last Sunday Head, yeah, she'll be back though. She'll be back. They always come back. Um <laughs> And uh, no, he, he would come in on a horse. So there is, a, there is an intentional decision made by the savior of the world here to say, man, I could come in on a horse since I'm that king that you're expecting me to be. But no, he says, you know what? Go get that colt. Let me ride in on this very kind of this ugly, you know, silly looking donkey. Donkeys symbolize peace. Horses symbolize war. This is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9. If you're not familiar, I'll read it. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus is saying, listen, okay, I'm, I'm coming and this, this, this has begun. He's in that final stretch, and he fulfills Zechariah nine, and says, I'm going to come in on this donkey, and I'm going to show you, no, 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 I'm about peace. Luke 2, as the, uh, as the angels are proclaiming the birth of the Savior in the world. Luke 2.14 two, says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. Okay? And so he's saying, okay, the fulfillment. Jesus here now, he is bringing peace, but he's going to do it in a way that doesn't make sense to the people. And so again, there's already this continued frustration with the Jewish people, with the people that has been his people for thousands of years, and that is going to be very important. Let's keep going. Verse 12. On the following day, they came from Bethany. He was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So they, they overhear. So here's, this is a strange story when read by itself. Jesus wakes up. He's a bit hungry, okay? There's no mix. There's no McDonald's. There's nothing close. And so he says, all right, well, there's a fig tree. Let's go there. Maybe we can get some figs. And he approaches the fig tree, and the leaves have begun to bloom, but the figs have not yet And so his response to a fig tree not being in season is to curse the fig tree, okay? This seems like an overreaction, right? (laughs) This seems like, what did the tree ever do to you, right? All it did was not yet bring about its harvest. And yet Jesus is going to, in this moment, curse this tree. What is he doing? Has he just lost it? Has the pressure gotten to him or... Probably more likely. He's approaching a fig tree. And if you are familiar with your Old Testament or throughout the history of Israel, a fig. A fig tree was a symbol of the nation of Israel. And so what he is calling, this is metaphor, him again pointing to, listen, Israel, my people, the people I've called to myself, I had a plan, an expectation for them to be blessed, to be a blessing, to go to the world, to be changed by my story and by my power and to go and to present that to the world, but they've not done it. They failed. And so he curses the tree Again, this will be important as we keep going. Verse 15, they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So Jesus goes to visit the temple. And he goes, and this this should be a place, the expectation much he had an expectation for the people of God, for the Jewish people, he has an expectation for what he would see at the temple. Wouldn't this place be a beacon of hope? A place where people could come and experience the grace and the knowledge and the truth of the Lord. That's what this but he walks in and instead he sees all of this stuff going on that should not be going on. That this place had become a place of commerce. Not just that it was about commerce, because in fact, even like pigeons, they would actually sacrifice pigeons. I mean, some of these things are actual useful things in the temple. It was what was going on with the presence of them. There was corruption. There were Pharisees. There were literally elite behind that that were getting financially contributed because of it. There were all sorts of just messy, messy things because of this, and it was taking away from the mission and the purpose of the temple of God. And so Jesus he doesn't snap because he's Jesus and so everything is perfect and righteous but he gets fuming and he runs around and starts throwing over tables you see in in another guy's fashion's a whip starts whipping people and stuff it's just crazy in there this is not what we're used to seeing of Jesus which is so interesting because we just came off of him riding in a donkey proclaiming I'm a king of peace and then he steps into the temple and starts throwing stuff everywhere this is Contradictory, it seems. Yet we step back and we think about what this means for Jesus to walk into this place, to have such an expectation for what this place was supposed to be. We all have brokenness in our lives at some level. Maybe everything's perfect for you right now. Maybe look a week ago, a month ago, five years ago, somewhere there's brokenness. If it hasn't come yet, it probably will. We've all got that, okay? And we hate it. And we hate seeing it. We hate seeing the pain of this world, the brokenness of this world. You, you turn on the news, and it's just a, a, a gut shot over and over. And it's like, man, this is what is wrong? You watch another clip, another video, turn on the news. It's just all bad. And our hearts break over the brokenness of this world. And we long that something would change, that there would be something that could bring about a difference, a change in this world. And Jesus, think about this, the the one who created all of us, the savior of the world, the one who spoke this thing into existence, and he's saying there's brokenness and he's known this since the fall, but he's inaugurated this plan, he's given the world these tools, these things that they would know him, that they'd repent and they'd find God, that there would be peace amongst the land, and yet they continue to abuse it. They continue to pursue things that just lead to more and more brokenness. And so you expect Jesus, the Savior of the world, the creator of the world, walks in and sees everything he has planned being used for personal gain and not for pointing to the one true Lord. This would be a rather frustrating situation, I would think. See, I'd like to think that I could relate with him. Like, I think we're supposed to relate with Jesus here. I think we're supposed to say, yeah, man, that's, that's no good. And, and I think maybe at a certain level I do, but I, I don't think I get it. I, I don't think I can fully comprehend how much this scene, what he sees in the temple, this swap meat of a thing, breaks the heart of Jesus. I don't, I don't think that we get it. John, the Duncans love them. Jono and Katie, one time talking to Jono, and they purchased a dog recently. It is a female dog named Kendrick, so probably really a male dog. And, uh, and they said to me once, you know, I think it was me and Anthony, a couple other parents standing around. And Jono says, Oh, no, I get that. Kendrick just does this, this, and this. I said, Oh, oh your dog <laughs> is the same as my infant <laughs> that wakes up nine times a night. Right? And this was like six months ago when Finley was still just a total jerk, right? I mean, it was just, and, and so John was like, no, no, I get it. I told, I'm like, no, you don't, man. You don't get it. A dog, you just, hey, go run, right? Okay? Find something to eat, okay? I think that I can relate with Jesus here, but I can't. And you can't because you didn't create the world. And, and you don't know the brokenness that what's happening in this temple is leading to. But man, our prayer should be that we do. I want to be able to read this scene. I want to be able to read this passage and then be able to apply that to my world and be so brokenhearted about the things that I see and the the stories that I hear. And I think I'm I'm somewhere in the mix, but man, I am I'm not close but until we become a people, listen, until I become a disciple of Jesus that can truly as much as I can see and step into the brokenness of this world, the mission of God to redeem all of it doesn't seem all that great. And so this, I think this needs to be a moment for us. This is kind of even a break. I think it has to be a moment for us to step back and say, okay, maybe one of the things that Israel got wrong was they just didn't think sin was all that bad. They didn't think that the lack of peace, the lack of shalom, the brokenness of the world was all that bad. They didn't take the calling that they were blessed to be a blessing to go and change the world because the world needed God. They didn't believe it because they didn't think it was that bad to begin with. And church, if we don't begin to open up our eyes and see, man, the things that are happening in our world are terrible, terrifying, and destroying the lives of men and women all over the world, then man, we will have no business being part of God's mission. I don't know what that was, but I liked it. That was, that was good, brother. <laughs> I need you to travel with me. We're just gonna follow me around. Step into it. Church, we, we need to be the most knowledgeable about the brokenness of the world. We need to know what's going on. We need to step into the conversations where there's brokenness. We need to step into the conversations where there's pain. We need to be part of this dialogue, and, and it's, all, it's rampant, okay? Social issues, racism, okay? Disparity, gender inequality, on and on and on. Abortion, okay? On and on. We need to step into these. This is brokenness, and the answer is what God has called. It is the mission of God. That was what will fix this thing, not a great policy. It's the mission of God. It's God's people on mission for him to see redemption, and so let us, let us not shy away. Okay, that was just a little hot box moment. I'm not really sure. Verse 20. Okay, I'm going to tie a bow on this. Oh, can I, can I say one, actually one thing? People will often then take this, this text, the Jesus turning over tables text, and then use it to justify some silliness, Okay? So they think like, okay, we we can do, we can be rude and we can be judgmental and we can be all of these things because Jesus threw over tables and Jesus whipped some people. So let's be jerks about it. I I I've had conversations about about war and I'm not necessarily anti-war. There's a whole conversation there. I get it, but people are like, let's just bomb everyone. Like, why would you bomb everyone? Jesus threw over temples, man. Like, oh my gosh. How is that alike? (laughs) And so listen, I'll be very clear. If if you do that, stop. Because even in this, the heart of Jesus is love. Okay, even in the midst of throwing over tables and whipping people and clearing the temple, the heart is love. It's to move these people back to seeing God clearly. It's not, let's eradicate the people. That was another, no- I mean, I'm just soapboxing like crazy right now. We're we'll start talking about Saints football. It's going to get crazy. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay, never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> RG3 still hurt? Is that? He's hurt again. Yeah, well, not like Breezes. Um, we're getting off track. Verse 20. Verse 20, as they passed by in the morning, we're gonna return to the fig tree here. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Verse 21, and Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. Okay? So they leave the temple. They've had this really intense moment. This, This step further into the brokenness, not just of the world, but the brokenness of the mission of God. The, 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 it just wasn't working out. The, Israel, you were supposed to do this, and, and here's where we've landed. Okay, so he's coming up out of that, and it's bookended by two stories about this tree. The front end story where he curses the tree, and then this tail end story, on the other side of this temple. So clearly, this, this is Israel, right, guys? Th- the fig tree is Israel. He's saying, I, it's not working out. We're gonna move to something different going to move to something different, and so they go back to the fig tree, they find that the tree itself has, has withered down, never to produce fruit again, okay, now, there are much debated conversations about, well, what does this mean for Israel, and on and on and on, and this is not probably the space to really get in all the depth of that, but here's what we will talk about, is what is peculiar to me is after Peter says, hey, look, Rabbi, I guess, remember when that, that tree that you cursed, it's actually withered. Like, it, it worked. You did your thing. And his response is, have faith in God. Like, what, again, what a weird response. Like, if I'm, I'm saying, that's right, because I'm Jesus. <laughs> but no, he says, no, no, no. Have faith in God. That, that's his response to Peter coming, look, it worked, it did it. Have have faith in God. Here's what I think he's doing and then the rest of the commands here. He's setting up for them a new constitution, if you will, for what this means moving forward. He's like, listen up. Okay, yeah, it it is gone. Now here's my, I'm gonna implore you, Peter. Have faith in God. Have faith in Him, in His power, in His work. Do not do what unfortunately Israel has done for thousands of years and have faith in self. Have faith in a king that they appointed. Have faith in things not Him. You want to be the new beacon of hope to the world. You want to go and be part of this mission. Church, disciples, you want to live out the commands that are, you're called to as a Christian. Have faith in God. Look to him, trust him. He's powerful, he's good, he's faithful. We're not. This further focus, I think what he's doing, he's saying, listen, we're gonna keep moving forward. The mission of God does not stop. Like we're still trying to redeem this whole world. I still want to see the peace of God, the shalom, the reweaving of the broken fabric of this world restored. I want to see all of that. Just because Israel did not, it didn't work out for thousands of years in the Old Testament. We're not done. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to open this thing up. And now Peter, you, and 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 the rest of the eleven, aside from Judas, he's not going to be around but the 11, and then others, disciples, followers, you will be grafted in. and We'll get more into that. That's the vine. You'll be brought in. And now church, listen, church, this is true for us as it was 2,000 years ago as he calls them to this. Church, your calling, the answer to the question, okay, Jesus, you know, in response to the gospel, this is what you have done for me, What do you want us to do for you? His answer is go and be a blessing and bring peace to the world and do it with faith in God and nothing else. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what we as a church, and if you're, if you're just visiting and you're part of another church, then go do it there. But as a capital C, big C, church global, our mission to the world is to bring blessing and peace and point to the God that with, with which we have faith in. Amen? That's, that's our goal. And if you signed up for something different, you didn't sign up to follow Jesus. Hear me. If you signed up for something different, you didn't sign up to follow Jesus because Jesus is going that direction. He's going there. And that's where we're supposed to go. Now, the path there will probably look like this. You're getting me, right? And hope I'm not gonna do it, I'll break something, but go probably go down, you climb a ladder. I mean, it's gonna be we're not perfect. And so hear me, the gospel says, that's okay. That, okay, Jesus is going there and he's just beelining because he knows he wants to see the redemption of all things, the redemption of the world. He wants to bring peace and blessing and restoration. He's headed that direction. We're supposed to follow, but we're gonna zigzag. We're gonna go backwards. We're gonna try and do our best to submit to him, but we will fail. But the gospel... Again, returning full circle, what has he done? He has died the death you and I deserve to secure for us the ability to wake up every morning with new mercies and say, I'm going to try again. I'm going to get up and try again because this is tough. This is tough, but I am, at the end of the day, my goal, have faith in God, have faith in God, trust him, believe him, and then you know what? All the external, I, I truly, if you and I love Jesus, we hate the broken world, the mission stuff just kind of falls in line. And so let us, let us just live this out. Let us, let us step into the mission that God has had since the beginning of the world, since it all fell and got all messed up there's been this one mission this one narrative and we're all part of it and I'll say this even if you're here and you're not a Christian like you're just visiting you got dragged here or whatever it was you know I would say someone promised you lunch okay if you're here because of that I want you to know like regardless if you believe it or not you're part of that same story that you're, you're somewhere underneath that narrative you're somewhere underneath that banner that's just the truth my hope and desire is that some, at some point, if not today, you'd look up and say, well, no, I, I do know it. That is That story is my story. And I want to be involved. And, and I believe what Christ has done. When I think back and I begin, okay, I mean, this is what Christ has done, so what can I do for you? And let us move church on mission. And so here's where I want us to land, and we're going to move into a time of reflection in just a moment. But here's what I want for us, okay? I want for us to sit. I want us to fulfill the calling of the church, which is go to the world, blessing, he has peace, all this stuff, right? But for the reflection time, what I'd like for us to do is sit and really analyze this couple questions, okay? First, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'd love, and we talked about the same thing last week, to just sit and try and consider, what has God done for me? And, and I don't know how much you believe of the story of the Bible, I hope it's a lot. If it's not, then sift through the realities, the, the, the struggles of that have What has God done for me? If you're here and you're a Christian, here are my two questions. Um, what is broken about my world? Okay. And, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily want you to go global here uh, because I'm sure there's stuff right here. Right. What is broken about my world? What's going on in my own heart? What's going on in my own life? My family? My circle of influence? My job? My city? okay? What's going on? And and really sit in that for a bit. Sit in the brokenness and then say, okay, if that's true, sit in the calling of God to be the answer. Through the power of Christ, faith in God, not by your own strength, but your call to step into the mission of God and fulfill and fix each aspect of that brokenness. I've got a buddy, his name's Jim Mullins, pastor down in Tempe, and he does this little, this little exercise. This is the last thing I'll give you. And uh, he'll sit there, and he'll write down all of the broken things in his life, in his neighborhood, in his city, stuff that he has around him, all of them, and put them all on index cards. Then he'll take another set of index cards, and on them write all of his resources. Right? He'll write home, car, uh, intellect, like even getting down to his gifts and talents, and write all of them on another one. And then he'll shuffle the two, okay, separately and then he'll pick one from here and one from here, and I'll say, okay, a problem in my city is this. A resource I have is this. And he will just sit there and dream and pray about how he can use his resource to help meet that need in our world. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that exercise, but church, we need to sit in the reality that this world is broken and the reality that God has called you, Christian, you're following him, that's your calling, to step into that brokenness and be part of God's answer for amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we say thank you this morning because we, you know what, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but God, I know I am a stubborn man. God, I often think I know the path and course of my life, that I've got things figured out. God, but I pray like Bartimaeus. I pray that I would come humbly before you. God, I pray that I would see clearer the brokenness that surrounds me. The brokenness, God that exists within me, probably even harder for me to see at times. God, would you expose all of it and give me your eyes and ears to see and hear it? God, and then do not rest in reminding my soul that I'm supposed to be part of your mission to redeem it. God, I know this, that I can't do this by myself. I know, God, that you've called your entire church to it, and so I pray for all of us that are here today, regardless of where the Christian, non-Christian, kind of somewhere in between, this is their home church, this isn't, they're from another city, they're not, God, that as, as a people, that in, in this moment, God, the will be able to sit in the reality that the world is broken, and you've called every human to contribute to its flourishing, its peace, and its goodness. And so, God, would you constantly remind us of the gospel in the midst of this, because when we lose sight, God, I feel like we just turn around, we do one thing, we go the other direction, we just find ourselves playing catch up. Thank you for the cross that gives us unlimited opportunity to try and try again knowing that, God, you don't love us more. You don't love me more, God, when I do a great job or I do a terrible job. You just love me. You delight in salvation. You delight in your people. You delight in your creation. So, God, I speak that and just put that over us to remind us that God delights in us this morning as we worship and as we process and as we respond. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, thank you. Be with us. Move us in response now. It's your name we pray. Amen. So now, as always, like I said, we move into a time of reflection. And so uh, this time can look a little bit different for everybody. Just however God's calling you, moving you, think through those questions. You want to pray with people around you, whatever that looks like. But let's do that now. And we'll come back up, move into our time of response. Okay, now as always, we take that reflection time and that that moves us forward into this time we call response. And we often like to say...